Okay, so those of you who are watching by television, good to see you this morning. <clears throat> well, we've been talking about the attribute of God. Well, let me ask you this first. Now, this is a trick question. I will give you that up front, a trick question. Which essential attribute of God is the most important? We can't say that, can we? It is impossible to be accurate about God, to be faithful about who he is in himself, to emphasize one essential attribute over another as to its essential significance. You may emphasize it only because of discussion purposes or a particular application at that moment. So is there any attribute of God, essential attribute, that which makes God who he is in himself? Is there any essential attribute more important than any other? No. <clears throat> However, when it comes to us and the way we are relating to God and the way he relates to us, and the way we experience him and walk with him, and as a consequence, the way we walk with one another. Each of these attributes is equally significant, but there is a particular attribute which will impact us personally as far as our experience is concerned more than all the others and which is to us because of our creaturehood is more important to us. Have I explained that okay? Am I elevating one above the other? No, I'm putting it within a human context. Okay? And what is that attribute? God's love. God's love. I believe at the root, at most of the difficulties, whether they are relational difficulties, whether they are theological difficulties or whatever, at the root, if you go down deeply enough, you will get to a place where the problem we are having or the confusion that we are experiencing has to do with something about the love of God. The more we understand mentally with our heads and the more we experience with our hearts, the more our heads and our hearts come together in unity. This is Cody who's coming in. He has a hat on so you don't want to you can't recognize him. Good morning, Cody. Good to see you. The more our hearts and our heads come together, the greater God's work in us will be manifested and perceived and appreciated, okay? And so that's what we're talking about, and that's why we're on this long 
um, uh, teaching that we're on that I didn't plan to do. And in fact, as I told you in the beginning, I really didn't want to do this. And I don't know why I didn't want to do it, but I just didn't have it in me to do it until the Holy Spirit says, hey, this is what you're going to do next. Oh, oh okay, okay, I'll do it. So we've learned this. <clears throat> what does Romans 5, 5 say? Hope does not disappoint because, come on, Romans 5, 5, you should know it. Because the love of God has been poured out, right? Has been poured out where? Into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Who are the us? Who are the us? Those who are the saved. Okay, we have been given the Holy Spirit. Therefore, when the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts, he doesn't bring the love of God to us because I don't want us to think about the love of God as a commodity. You know, we say, well, God brings his love. No, he is the love of God in us. He is the love of the Father manifested and given to me. He is the love of Jesus manifested and given to me. He is the love of the Holy Spirit manifested what? And given to me. Do we get that? We have not been given a commodity or a thing or an activity. We have been given the very person of our Creator, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to dwell in our hearts by the Holy, um, you know, by the Holy Spirit. We've been given the whole Trinity by the Holy Spirit, and God is love. That's what's going on. And now we are talking about the communication. <clears throat> the way God causes us to begin to be progressively, make sure you get that word, progressively conformed to the image of his son. Remember Romans eight twenty nine, And that conforming work is the transforming of our minds, Romans 12, 2, so that day by day, Step by step, thought by thought, deed by deed, confession by confession, repenting by repenting, educating or learning by learning, etc., etc., what's happening? The Holy Spirit is transforming our self-centered, corrupt love, the love with which we were born. Me, me, me. He is transforming that into the reality of God's own love that he has placed in me by giving me of himself so that I and you and we together can begin to love God with his own love and begin to love one another with his own love. So Deuteronomy 6, 4, what? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is what? One. And verse 5 says, and you shall love the Lord your God. Remember, with all your heart and your mind and your soul. And then Jesus says, and the second commandment is like unto it, what? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's from Leviticus nineteen eighteen. And so what is the fulfillment of the law? We love God with his own love, he plants himself in us 
He is now in us. We now have this, this God who is love to now respond to him with that love. And we're now able by the same power of the Holy Spirit to love one another with the love with which we are loved by God. Amen? And so we're going to be talking about how that works if I ever get to it. I know, I know, I know that. Why do I keep plowing the same land? Because we have been so inculcated by the flesh over the years that we, it is, it is a, for some, very difficult to get. For others, it's, it's confused, and we're so sewn into this thing we call flesh, we still look in the wrong places. Do you find yourself, even after all this, still kind of getting it confused? Anybody in here, you still get it confused? Only three of us? That's amazing. <laughs> now, when the, we're calling it, remember the garden, remember from John 15, the Father's a vine dresser. I am the vine, you are the branches. Do you remember that? And then in 15, 8, what? For in this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. The fruit, what? Is is the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5.22. That's the fruit. The fruit isn't winning souls. The fruit is the love of God which wins souls. You see? The fruit is not about us. The fruit is about God in us and through us. And so when the Holy Spirit, if you would, using the analogy of a planting and of a garden, and the analogy breaks down a little bit because it's human analogy. When that happened, when the Holy Spirit comes into the, the mud of our lives, now think about it. Think about it. The Holy Spirit, this holy, magnificent, perfect, transcendent being who has even created eternity, this one condescends, you know what I mean by that? Descends, comes down to be with us and gets into the very mud of our hearts and minds as a good gardener would do and begins to work in us. What kind of a God is that, Chris? What kind of a God is this? And he plants the love of God in us, using the analogy. And into this soil, which is a corrupt soil, we have a fallen mind. What are the first two ingredients that he adds to the soil? Because the soil has to be neutrified. It has to have the right, what, potassium and magnesium and this through uh, whatever it all is in order to grow, correct? Anybody try to grow a garden where the soil ain't no good? So what do you do? If you don't have good soil, what do you do? You bring in all kind of stuff, add to the soil. Is this right? Dave, maybe this is why our flowers don't grow. We're not doing it right. <laughs> when Gene and I bring in plants into the house, we can hear them screaming, death, death, death. <laughs> no, they're doing all right. They have to have soil. So the nutrients in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. Stop. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. You don't have to go any further. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the next eight words describe the aspects or facets or 
adjectives that give us a greater understanding and enlargement of filling out of what this love is all about. What is this love of God? What does it look like? So what is the experience of God's love? Joy. Remember that? You were here last week. The first thing we experience when we receive the love of God is what? Joy. First Peter says, joy unspeakable and full of glory. What is the effect? Peace. I'm at peace with God. A peace comes over me. I'm no longer condemned. I'm safe. I'm secure forever in the arms of this mighty God. And who can pluck us out of the hands of God? Who? No one. No one. In the absolute worst condition, Jesus has saved me. Is there any condition after I'm saved that was worse than before? No. Because he's taken the totality of who I am from conception all the way to death and has forgiven the whole lot. Amen? Peace. Peace. Hey, I thought you were waving to me. What? Nothing. Not even I can't take myself. I didn't put myself into Jesus. And I can't take myself out of Jesus. I don't have the ability. I'm not greater than God. God has chosen us before Ephesians 1, 4, what? The foundation of the world. We weren't even here when God chose us to be saved. Now, so what are the ingredients in the soil that causes the soil to be able to receive the activity of or the planting, or the cultivating, or the pruning activity of the Holy Spirit. The ingredients necessary for that to happen are joy and peace. Joy and peace. Haven't you noticed that when you are filled with the joy of the Lord, not because you got a raise, but I'm talking about the joy of knowing this God, the joy of this God being your God, the joy of being forgiven, the joy of having eternal life, this joy of this God, this joy that Jesus has within the context of the Trinity, the joy of the Father over the Son, the joy of the Son over the Father, the joy of the Holy Spirit over the Father and the Son, that joy. When you experience that joy, and to the extent that you experience it, what happens? All of a sudden, the things of this earth begin to pale in significance and their ability to have a hold on you begins to fall away have you noticed that but when you're not experiencing this joy what happens it begins to feel like everything is wrong have you, am I the only one who's felt like this peace is the same thing so the ingredients now a week ago yeah, I'm not going to get all through this today. I don't know whether I should apologize or not or whether I'm just too talkative and can't get my head together. I'm sitting 
you know, I, I go out and sit and read and, and study or whatever, you know, and I do what I do. And if you see me, I'm sitting there with my computer open, and I'm sitting. And it looks like he's just sitting there. He ain't doing nothing. And then sometimes I type something. And so David, last week, three times, I've been out there for maybe a total of four or five hours, right? And all I've gotten right now is like the first half of the first page. Seven sentences, maybe. And I know it's not, I'm not getting it. There's something, it's, I'm not getting it. There's something, mm, mm, mm. Any of you been there? So what am I going to do? I'm going to buckle up and I'm going to, no, I've learned. Leave it alone. So this is what I said. And this is all I can say. Holy Spirit, this is your class. I am not the teacher. You are. I'm just the loud mouth. Right? You want to hear it? You have to give me what I need to give to them so you can give it to them through me. You do see that's what's happening. That's why I don't want you to approbate me. If you want to say God has used you, that's one thing. But don't you ever say, Peter Davidson, you're a great teacher. I don't think you understand anyway. But don't say that to me. Holy Spirit is a wonderful teacher. And I said, Lord, I know I'm not getting something. I'm not connecting the dots at this moment. I know there's something I'm missing because I've gone on in my notes to talk, you know, to have notes about confession and faith and repentance and all of that. I have about two pages of notes, but David, it's not hanging. And so I leave about the third day here, and all of a sudden, ah, that's it. He gave it to me, just boom, just like that. Now, you notice I did not say, I thought of it. I did think of it, Mary. You see, Georgina, I did think of it. But for me to stand here and say, I thought of it, which is so typical of the way we do, isn't it? David, whose thought was I thinking? Doctor, David. God's thought. I thought of it. But I was thinking the thought that God gave me. Therefore, secondarily, I thought of it. But primarily, whose thoughts were they? The Holy Spirit, God's thoughts. This is one of the ways we are really missing the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. We put the secondary as the primary when we share with one another and when we talk and when we whatever. We put the secondary primary. So it would be appropriate for me to say, uh, I thought of that. You know, Chris, I was sitting there, and I thought of this. And I finally, brother, I finally figured it out. Now, is that bad? No. It's secondary, and if I don't bring in the primary, I have missed the glory, missed giving the glory to whom? Because don't you see, Renee, it, I figured it out, Renee. I got it. I got it. I got this. So Renee is a retired carpenter. He's, think, he's out there, how in the world can I do this? And so, oh, yeah, that's right. Somebody said, yeah, I, I thought of it. Well, where do you think that thought came from? The Holy Spirit's a carpenter. He's just giving you the thoughts. Where do you think your thoughts are coming from? What do you think? Ronnie? You can 
Holy Spirit. That's just a sideline. It has nothing to do primarily with what I'm doing today, so we'll have to take an extra 15 minutes. Now, where was I? Help me. Oh, it came to me from the Holy Spirit. The tools. Remember I said last week, the experience is joy. The what? Effect is peace. And the expression is the next six adjectives. Remember that? But within the gardening context, the Holy Spirit says, these are my tools. So I want us to see primarily today that these next descriptives, these next six words are not what God wants us to do. God does not want me to be more patient, to be more kind and gentle and faithful, more self-controlled. He's not calling me to be that as the primary emphasis. Do we see this? He's saying to me, these are six tools that are listed in this section. There are others. And these are the six tools of the Holy Spirit's activity of love. Each one to be applied to a particular weed, if you would. Does that make sense? Can I say it like that? To a particular weed in our garden or a particular weed in our mind. So that as we begin to see that weed grow, we don't bring in a backhoe. Do you know what a backhoe is? That's a big machine that grabs the dirt and pulls it out and says, look, a weed, get in that backhoe, and we whoop. But we call upon the Holy Spirit. We recognize because the Spirit shows us he convicts of sin. And when he shows us this, then we yield to the work of his dealing with that weed to use a particular or the particular tool of his love that has to do with that weed. So, for instance, what I've done in the notes here, let me, on on page two, let's read this. Let's look at each of these tools of God's love to consider how God uses each to transform our self-love by his love and into our love. In each case, God is not empowering us to become more, what, patient, more kind, more good, more faithful, more gentle, more self-controlled. He's not empowering us to become more of anything. Please get this. I don't know how many in the church of the Lord Jesus throughout the world struggle day by day trying to be more whatever it is. How many of us have struggled to be more patient? How many of us have struggled to be more kind? I don't because I'm kind enough. How many of us have struggled to be more gentle? Gene would tell you, I'm gentle, so I don't need that. You see, we struggle. We find ourselves not being kind, not being faithful, not being patient, not being whatever, self-control, whatever it is. And so what is the first thing we do when the Holy Spirit says, that's not patience. You're being impatient. 
Okay, Todd, you're being a... I told you that. I told him a long time ago, I'm going to call you Todd occasionally. Troy, <laughs> we, we, I've just learned that I'm impatient in a particular area. Anybody experience impatience in here? Okay, fine. So what do we do? Think about what you do. You're impatient, and you realize what? This doesn't honor God, right, Bridget? Your impatience doesn't honor God. Surely, right, your impatience doesn't honor God. You know that, don't you? Yes, oh, yes, you do. So, Giselle, your impatience doesn't honor God. So you realize that's not what God has for you. So what do we do? Typically, what do we do? We ask God for what? To make us more what? Patient. Now, thankfully, when we ask that, he translates it into what it should be because God is not going to make me or you more anything. He is going to transform my whatever it is by his love to be the activity of his love. So I find myself impatient. What happens? How do I begin to receive the, the patience of God or the kindness? Think of any of these. It doesn't matter which one you're looking at. How do I receive that? How do I have my lack, my weed, transformed, if you would, into God's flower? How does that happen? So you find yourself unkind, ungentle, unfaithful, impatient, you know, whichever it is, whatever the six, and there are many more. How does it work? What does God do? He begins first having identified the area as my self-love. My impatience is me. My unkindness is about me. My lack of gentleness is about me. Do you, you see that? So he identifies the first conviction of sin, John 14. Then he begins to apply and give us understanding and memory and experience of his own patience. So, Wendy, you're impatient with Peter. Now, I know that's a stretch, but... You know, I, I know that. You're impatient with Peter. That's her good-looking son. Both of them are equally good-looking, right, Mama? So she becomes impatient. Peter, raise your hand so we'll know who you're talking about. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Philip's sitting there, thank God he didn't send me. <laughs> so you're impatient with your son. He's done the same thing wrong five times already, and you've told him not to do it. Who? What does the Holy Spirit do? He says, Mama, hold on now. Second thing he does, he reminds me of this. Peter, how many times have you done 
and I'm not being angry and frustrated with you. Come on. Are you with me? How many times have you done, you name it, how many times have you done it? How many times have I thought it? How many times have I ignored it? How often have I whatever? Whatever it is. Whatever it is. We didn't know you were that bad. And how many times? What's the answer to that? I can't even count the times. Are you with me on this? Are you with me? Please be with me. River, do you see that? You're impatient. You've been impatient with David before? What about lying? What about that? (laughs) Have you ever been unkind? Yes. And so the Holy Spirit says to you, first of all, that's not honoring me. Correct? And then he reminds me, how many times have you Why is he doing that? Because you see, he's revealing to us the most significant thing we need in these instances. We need to see ourselves, not in relation to this bad boy Peter or my obstinate husband, we need to see ourselves before a holy, just, supreme, all-loving, all-forgiving, great, eternal majesty of majesties, still resisting him, refusing his will, opposing him in our sin. And how does he deal with us? And he reminds us at that moment, Harold, when he Reminds you, how many times have you done that? And you say, "Uh uh-oh. And then he reminds you what? Have I ever treated you the way you're responding to or answering or thinking or whatever? Amen? And what that does, the purpose of God in that, is to, if you would, begin to melt away this impurity of my impatience, my lack of gentleness, my unkindness, whatever it is, so that the flower of his patience, so the next time Peter acts out, Mama Wendy can say, thank you, Lord. You can come on in. It's okay. Come on in. You in here now, you ours, come on in. Come on in and sit down. So we can say, thank you, Lord, for showing me that. Thank you for overwhelming me with this revelation of how you have been when I have been much worse than these other folks, much worse. And the next time this happens in your household, you remember that. Ah, now there's the decision you have to make. Remembering that, do I choose 
to agree with. I didn't say, do I choose to be patient? I didn't say that. Do I choose to agree with, cooperate with, embrace this kindness, this gentleness, this patience, this self-control, this faithfulness with which God has given to me and exhibited in my life in the midst of all this activity of corruption in me? Do I choose to say, Father, I am going to walk in the kindness, etc., of what you have shown to me. Holy Spirit, bring it out. Cause me, you know, to be in agreement with this and cause your love in this particular area to flow. Now, you can decide that in half a millisecond. You don't have to go through a whole theological dissertation. Otherwise, no telling what this boy would do by the time they made a decision. And you can respond then to your son, to your husband, to whatever, however it is, in a way that God is honored in you and his love is manifested and begins to grow more deeply in you and the other person receives the gift that you and I have always needed, the love of God. Do you see that? God is not calling us to self-garden. All of these weeds, those of you who know anything about the garden, where are the weeds before you see them? Where are the weeds before you see them? Come on, y'all can talk, it's okay. They're in the garden, they're in the mud. So when you see a weed, don't say, ah, ah. I remember one time I was going down the street, I don't remember the details. Thankfully, I don't remember the details. But I was moaning and groaning about doing something wrong again. Moaning and groaning. There I go again, Lord. I've disappointed you again. I was doing all that. And it was as if, Celeste, the Lord said, shut up. He says, I knew that weed was there. It's always been there. I have just worked circumstances to begin to let it grow so you would see it allowing me in you and with you to begin to extract that thing or melt it or whatever word you want so that my flower can grow in that area. Don't be amazed and dismayed about the weeds in your garden. If we did that in the natural, none of us would have gardens. But say this, Father... I see a weed. Thank you for showing me because it's there and you knew it. Now, Holy Spirit, deal with that weed. Amen? Don't moan and groan. Don't beat yourself in the back. Oh, Stop it. That's dishonoring to the God who has glorified himself in us in the cross. So, this week, be looking at this list and begin to ask the Holy Spirit, make me much more sensitive to the areas of my self-love. And when you do, remind me of the grace of this particular tool, whatever of the six it is, and more so that I may be overwhelmed with your goodness and your mercy and your grace, allowing you to deal with this weed in a way that it is transformed into a flower of love. Amen.
Now, next week, I want to talk about a revelation about God that all of this shows that we must make sure we see. So see you next week.